Hey, just a heads up, this episode contains spoiler for Barbie. So if you haven't checked it out, I would suggest go watch the movie at the theater and then come back and listen to our episode. Or if you just want to skip ahead to the song park, but beware, there might be some spoilers there too. On today's episode... Hi, Sophie. Hi, Paolo. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Soundtrack. Watch me. Of course, everyone's talking about Barbenheimer, but here the song will go on. We just can't stop talking about Barbound Track. <laughs> Barbound Track. Yes, Sophie. <laughs> Barbound Track. <laughs> the behemoth event that is the Barbie soundtrack. Everything is perfect. Hello and welcome to The Song Will Go On, the podcast inspired by the song, inspired by the motion pictures. I'm Paolo Grassini and today we are finally delivering on our promise. Yes, we're covering a current song. This movie's out in theaters and we're doing it. Dance and I by Dua Lipa from Barbie. Joining us today, he's our co-host. She's a 10 here. She's a 10 there. She's a 10 everywhere. It's Sophia Matano. Hi, Paolo. Sophie, we're doing it. We're doing a current it. song. I a know. song that's on theater. We're covering it. Who says we're a nostalgia podcast? Right. <laughs> Before we get started talking about Dua Lipa's Dance the Night and the Barbie movie, we just wanted to thank our patron Barbies at Patreon. They are what keep the light on in our podcast dream house. And our Patreon cans. And hey, even you, Alan, our Patreon, our single Patreon, Alan. Yes. Thank you. You are also important. <laughs> if you want to be a patron Barbie, <laughs> you can check us out at patreon.com slash the song will go on. We got some nifty perks over there, like exclusive needle drop episodes. We got a Discord server. We got it all. Hi, Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, thank you. Thank you all. You're the best. And in addition to the Patreon, we encourage you to leave us a review. It helps us grow. And hey, we like, you know, reading it and see what you think. And we also like making new friends. So you can check us out on our socials at The Song Will Go On, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. It's X, Sophie. It's X. What's X? It's not called Twitter anymore. You don't know this? Oh my God, you're so off Twitter. <laughs> I am very off Twitter. And you know what? I'm kind of proud of that. It's it's called X. You you are. That's a flex that you don't know that it got you. No, it, honestly, it did. I'm not joking. There is a logo. It's just X. So we are an, an, an X, apparently. For the meantime, we well, won't pa be... Well, pa Paolo is. I'm apparently, I'm not. <laughs> and last but not least, of course... If you're enjoying what you're hearing, feel free to share it with your friends. That's really what's going to help us grow the podcast. Well, enough of that stuff. Let's get to what we're here for, what the people want. We got to talk about, you know, so finish the sentence. You know what, you know what I'm going to say. It's creator. Yes, the movie. Alive. <laughs> it's alive. It's alive. This is the moment of the podcast where Sophie has to do the most 
compromise creatively. She does not like that bit. It's true. I don't like that bit. I'm sorry. And I just keep pushing. It's like the one hill I'm dying on. It really is. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Let's set up the Barbie movie. It feels like the entire world has Barbie fever. Let's talk about it. Barbie is a 20- twenty. Oh, Sophie, wait. You can you can just start talking about Barbie. I got some something for you. Can you use this? <laughs> if you talk okay. and you don't. If I talk enough over yes, it, all you right. keep talking. <laughs> Barbie is a 2023 fantasy comedy film directed by Greta Gerwig based on the Barbie dolls by Mattel. Gerwig co-wrote the film with Noah Baumbach. It stars Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling as the mononymous Barbie and Ken with an ensemble supporting cast featuring America Ferreira, Kate McKinnon, Issa Rae, Rhea Perlman, and Will Ferrell. Michael among Sarah. others. <laughs> and Dua Lipa. Yes. And John Cena. When Barbie's perfect world begins to crumble following an existential crisis, Barbie and Ken must travel to the real world for a journey of self-discovery. And that's all I'm going to say about it, because in spite of a very mar <laughs> impressive marketing campaign, a lot of the movie's plot wasn't shown in initial trailers. Margot Robbie said that the film's aim is to subvert expectations and give you, quote, the thing you didn't know you wanted. Love it. The film has a long story before it finally premiered this year. Mattel first announced the project in... 2009, with Universal Pictures and Lawrence Mark producing. It wasn't until 2014 that development finally began with Sony Pictures acquiring the rights, with Jenny Bix writing the screenplay. Jenny Bix, of course, famous for her work as the Sex and the City creator. And filming was supposed to begin later that year, but didn't. <laughs> uh, there were new iterations of the Barbie project and new Barbie rewrites coming from the likes of Diablo Cody, famous for Juno, Jennifer's Body, you know her. In 2008, Sony's option expired on the Mattel material and the rights transferred to Warner Brothers. Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins was attached to the project at one point, uh, and it, but it was a similar story with the casting as well. Amy Schumer and Anne Hathaway yeah. were both in talks to play Barbie at different times for different versions of the Barbie project. I heard about this. Yeah, uh, really interesting. I honestly could see Anne Hathaway as being really Yeah, cool. I think like yeah. that, that one would have, I heard that and I was like, oh, that would have been like another great fit. Yeah, and Amy Schumer, I think that they were trying to do another spin on the, the Barbie character. Oh yeah, there's no doubt. <laughs> um, and then um, Margot Robbie's casting was announced in 2019, and she recruited Greta Gerwig to write and direct. Gerwig proposed co-writing the movie with her partner Noah Baumbach, and the rest is history. COVID caused multiple delays, and things didn't start moving again until Gerwig and Baumbach had finished working on White Noise. Sidebar, I know that there are some polarizing opinions about that movie, but um, it has a killer movie song, New Body Roomba by LCD Sound System. I really like that credits, song. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I woke up from the movie to that sequence and be like, oh, wow, that's great. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were not a big fan of the movie. I liked it. I liked, I liked it. I just was tired that day. I fell asleep. So Gerwig and Baumbach spent 2020 to 2021 writing the movie with complete creative freedom. Some of their inspirations uh, that they shared for the film are the 1994 nonfiction book, Reviving Ophelia, Saving the Selves of Adolescent Girls, and movies such as the 1964 French romantic drama, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, and the 1948 British drama, The Red Shoes. I've seen one. The hey, Red good Shoes, job. I got one. <laughs> Gerwig commented on these movies saying, they have such a high level of what we came to call authentic artificiality. You have a painted sky in a soundstage. 
which is an illusion, but it's also really there. The painted backdrop is really there. The tangibility of the artifice is something that we kept going back to. Using practical effects was really important to Gerwig because this gave the movie a tactile quality, which of course relates to the tactile nature of Barbies and children's toys in general. Man, I'm just like standing up, cancellation right now. Great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I did a lot of research on costumes out of my own curiosity, and I could wax poetic about every single one of them, but this isn't a 17 hour podcast. Uh, but just know costume designer Jacqueline Duran also worked with Gerwig on Little Women, and she was inspired by very real Barbies throughout the decades and just chef, chef's kiss. <laughs> Rodrigo Pietro is the cinematographer who recently won an Oscar for his work on The Irishman, so this movie is a real who's who of on and off screen talent. The film opened to mostly positive reviews that or at least ones that try to actually critique the film and pay attention to what it's trying to say. So it's got 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. And um, then <laughs> uh, there are the conservative misogynists. They are so mad, you guys. Um, so they are dragging down the ratings on Google and other platforms. Uh, but anyway, let's talk money. This movie was so anticipated. How much did it make? Um, it made a lot and Barbie shattered some records. It's hard to give exact numbers since the total is still climbing, it's still in theaters, uh, but so far it has made 258.4 million domestically and 258.5 million worldwide, so that is a whopping 516.9 mil. And out of that, $30 is from us. Yep. <laughs> I will probably see it again. So. Give it some more. Yeah. <laughs> And here are some records that it shattered. Biggest opening weekend ever for a film directed by a woman. Biggest domestic opening for a non-superhero film or sequel. Biggest opening for a movie based on a toy, so fuck off Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Barbie won the box office. But did it win your heart, Paolo? Let's discuss. Great job, Sophie. Thank you. That was some great um, setup by Barbie I, podcast. <laughs> I am setup Barbie. <laughs> it absolutely not only won my heart, it melted it. Ooh, melted uh, it like plastic in the warm sun. So take a step back. I've been a fan of Greta since I saw Frances Ha. Yeah, you really have. You've I been love, a Greta, yes, a Greta I, stan. I love her as an actress first. But then Lady Bird, we both really love that movie. I actually am like a little woman stan. Is that a thing? Of, like, of course. Like I loved it. I bought it on a Blu-ray. It's sort of like such a comfort movie. I loved the Splat score. Mm -hmm. So when Barbie was announced, I was even sold just by the intrigue of what would that combination do, Greta and Barbie. Mm -hmm. Even if it was a fail, I was going to show up there because I was... Just curious what was going to be her take. Right. I didn't have high hopes. I didn't mm. have also negative. I was just sort of, this is hard. This is going to be hard to pull off. And I went to the movie and boy, was my expectations like blown. Wow. Okay. I, I, I really, I really had a fun time for so many reasons and we'll uncover some of them. But you know, you know me, you know, my my favorite filmmaker I grew up with is, is Spielberg. 
Yeah. I've always admired how he's able to create stuff like Jaws, Jurassic Park, Schindler's, Schindler's List, E.T., these movies that just become part of pop culture, side guys, connect with people so much, but also represent like the peak of the art form in one shape or form. I think it's harder to find that sweet spot to make that kind of movie that you kind of please both crowds versus... What do you mean by both crowds? I would say more the like film criticism, you know, elevated cinema art crowd and also the movie going popcorn. We love movies. We just want to escape and have the best time of our life. Okay. Those crowds. I think it's really hard to please them both equally. Mm -hmm. And I live and die for movies that do that. And I think that Greta somehow, somehow accomplished that with this movie. And I'm just in awe. And not just, here's the thing, not just Greta, everyone, everyone. Filmmaking is not as much as we'd like to sort of celebrate it in a tour cinema. It can be, but for the most part, a lot of people go into making this film. Like you said, great names on and off camera. Mm -hmm. Just everyone as a team delivered. Like, I cannot wait to go back to the movie and watch it again. Sophie, Mm -hmm. take us on your side of the fence. Okay. I'm going to take you way back. I was a Barbie girl. I grew up playing with Barbies and I really credit because really? i have an image of you just reading books by the fireplace on by yourself that's always what you describe <laughs> I, so. I definitely did I, I was a big reader as a kid but i also played a lot with my barbies i was an only child so i didn't really have other kids to play imaginary games with and it was so fun for me to act out those imaginary scenarios yeah. with my barbies instead of me physically doing it I myself feel like, tell me about it this but as we're both creative people i feel like Honestly, playing with my toys, just storytelling. Those were like my first instances of being like a creative person. And I would like reenact the movies I would see, not necessarily with the toy. But like, was it like that for you? Were you like exercising or also your creative juices? I definitely think I was. I mean, I, I, I don't think I was acting out necessarily movies I'd seen, but it was just sort of my own <laughs> little little worlds that I would create with my different Barbies. And I had some Barbies that were beautiful. I had some Barbies like Kate McKinnon's weird Barbie (laughs) (laughs) that were covered in like markers and like somehow like their eye had been like rubbed off and like, you know, (laughs) Um, but that is so that was such important play to me. And I think I, I think that that was the precursor for my interest in writing. So I credit Barbie with that because I remember people trying to give me baby dolls to play with. If you've seen the, I believe it's the Toys That Made Us episode on Netflix on Barbie. Barbie was created because little girls just had baby dolls to play with. Like the only game that they could play was mom. And Barbies gave them a whole other outlet of play. And that's why they were my favorite. I mean, and to to tie it with the movie, and this isn't a spoiler, this is literally the beginning of the movie. And I think it's revealed in the teaser trailer for Barbie was this. Yeah. That 2001 Space Odyssey homage of the Barbie opening where you got these like just funny, great like kid acting of these Little girls just playing, like you said, monotone colors and all that stuff. And to me, 
that set the tone so well for the movie because there's a lot of levels to that scene. Mm -hmm. There's that experience when you're a kid and finding Barbie and how that was like, oh, this is way more fun. This is a great toy. Mm -hmm. But I feel there's also like a comment there in movie culture, you know? We talked about the film bros or the letterbox has that kind of thing. And 2001 and Stanley Kubrick is such a Mount Rushmore of that culture. And to have this Barbie movie take that scene and on its head, I feel like it's also having a conversation with that crowd. And I was just like, man, like if, if the movie, if, uh, we're in for a ride. Like if, <laughs> if, if they can manage this tone throughout the whole thing, I was like, I was sold. Yeah, I... Actually, I didn't sort of on purpose. I don't watch trailers all that often. And then going back, I realized that they were withholding a lot of the plot in the trailers. So so I was going in almost blind. I had seen some promotional images from when they were filming. I saw some of the costumes. I couldn't wait. But as a Barbie fan, I knew that I was seeing this movie opening weekend. I, I totally, like you, appreciate Greta Gerwig. I thought that she was an excellent choice for this. Noah Baumbach being her, her writing partner and also her partner in, in life. I thought that it was really interesting that he was going to bring his take to this hyper-feminine story. And I, I knew that it was going to be funny, but I didn't realize how kooky it was going to be. This genre, whatever you want to call it, is exactly what I needed. We haven't had many silly movies in theaters that yeah. aren't predominantly for kids. This movie, I'm just going to say it, not for kids. I disagree, but... Hmm, okay. Well, I, I think it is for kids, too. It's just that it's not a dumb offer for kids. You know, we talked about this in the podcast multiple times, that the things that we saw as a kid that... Nowadays, you would think, oh, that was above my head. But just, like kids are smart. We were smart. We were smarter than we thought. We absorb stuff either subconsciously or not. So I feel like there is stuff there for kids, even if they're not aware, they, they'll connect to it. I don't know. I think I, I, I look, I know what you're saying. It's not geared towards kids for sure. No. But I, I think it's still like a, a, a movie that like kids can enjoy. I'm cutting it off at tweens. Anyone lower than a tween isn't going to connect with this movie in the same way. This is for the audience of girls and women who grew up playing with Barbies and have probably stopped by this point. If you're still playing with Barbies, I don't think this movie is for you. One last thing that I wanted to add about before we start getting really into the movie is that this movie gave me hope. In a moment where you know that I've been sort of depressed about the state of Hollywood. I, like Hollywood is broken, literally. <laughs> it's been broken for a while. And I've just been very sad about my relationship with movies, my favorite art form when I grew up. And I had just come out of seeing Mission Impossible, which... A lot of people have connected with that movie. I did not. It kind of well, broke me. <laughs> literally, because you saw it in 40X. Yeah, it really, <laughs> it really broke me. It's a lot to put on Barbie's shoulder, just this movie. But I feel like this, I hope that this is the start of a new chapter in Hollywood and movie making. Yeah, I was talking with some friends and of course everyone's talking about Barbenheimer and a lot of people are saying, okay, so which are you seeing first? Or, you know, a lot of folks are seeing them on the same day. Actually, um, AMC theaters said that, uh, let me see the number, over 
40,000 AMC Stubbs members had pre-booked tickets to both films on the same day. So this is a movie event, and we haven't really had that since pre-pandemic. Yeah. I remember growing up, you would just decide with a friend or your family, okay, we're going to see a movie this weekend. And then you would look up in the newspaper what was playing when, and you would argue about what movie to see because there were so many amazing options. And now you and I look at each other. We say, do you want to see a movie this weekend? We see what's out. Oh, never mind. Yeah. And it's not because we rather watch it streaming. That's not who we are. It's because we no, just it's like the what? options. Yeah, it's the yeah, options. The, so at the same time, I am conflicted because it's still a IP driven movies, just that it's not a sequel. It's not a superhero. And I hope that we get a new era in Hollywood where a different kind of storytelling or a different audience is more engaged. This is a great segue. I want to throw something your way, Sophie, because I heard uh, a podcast I really like, The Big Picture from The Ringer, one of the co-hosts, Amanda Dobbins. She said something that has just like been like an inception idea in my head and just would not let, has not let my brain. I feel it's fascinating what she said. Every time I go see a Greta Gerwig film, I have a moment where I'm like, oh, is this how the boys feel when they go see a movie? Mm -hmm. Because it is so, it's a, it's a much smarter, more creative, more successful, you know, more inspired, more everything version of my brain. But I'm like, oh, so you have the same references and you think the same things are funny and you turn the things over in your head the same way. And point A to B, I would never get there, but I can like go along on the journey with Greta Gerwig in a way that like few other filmmakers have ever really mapped it out for me. Yeah, I it definitely rings true to me because of course, I enjoy movies that are not made for me, you know, but I think that it is something special when you see a character that you can really connect with on screen. And Barbie has <laughs> felt a, or at least Margot Robbie's Bobby, Bar Margot Robbie's Barbie. That's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> the Barbie in the movie. <laughs> It was going through a lot of things that I feel like I have experienced, too. And it, it's, of course, so nice to see so many women on screen. We never we I, I never get to see that. Here's my thought and what I loved about this movie. And I guess this is a good segue to talk about the feminist aspect of this movie, which is just one aspect of this movie. I just want to play uh, a soundbite from Margot and Greta talking about this. Most certainly is a feminist film. Um, I, to me, it's like that's like one slice of the pie. Like it's so... It's pretty big it's slice. A, it's a big <laughs> slice, but like, I, I don't know. I, yes. I, no, I, know it, I also wouldn't yeah. call it a funny film because then yes, that discredits the yeah. fact that it's got it's a lot of heart film. and it's got a lot of emotion and it's got a lot of like movie references, you know, all this kind of stuff. I'm like, it is funny. That is a huge part of it. It's a comedy. Right. But yes. if you just call it a funny film, you almost make it sound like it doesn't have a lot going on and it does. It's feminist in a way that includes everyone. It's a rising tide lifts all boats version of it. Yeah, I think some people hear the word feminist and means that doesn't mean men. And I'm like, well, yeah, no, it anyone, does mean men. Anyone who believes men and women should be equal is it's feminist. Just, that's so, it's, 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 it's <laughs> so that simple. This movie, I wouldn't say it's a movie for girls. It's a movie for anyone who likes good movies. The same way you said, like, I enjoy 
Dark Knight is one of your favorite movies. That's not a, it's just, it's a good movie. And I feel like that is what's really impressive about what Barbie did is that they somehow are able to connect with you, Sophie, and the emotions that you and other women are feeling. And, but it also connects with me. It's also universal with that. You know, when one of my favorite scenes, Barbie's dancing, she's having a party and she goes like, anybody, anybody think about death? Yes. <laughs> you know, like, that's it. That's, oh my God. You know, that's universal. That's, I do appreciate the feminist aspect of this movie, but I feel like it's also a movie. Uh, it's just, it's a movie for, for everyone. I'm going to retract the butt from your statement. It, it's a movie. It's a feminist movie and it's for everyone. Because oh, yeah, 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 like, yeah. You're oh right. My God. Okay. I was trying to think of how to talk about Barbie without having to bring up the the craziness that's going on. We were planning on doing this episode before we saw the movie and I was doing some research and coming up with some topics and then I saw it and I was like, okay, I know what the reaction to this movie is going to be. What both reactions. There's going to be super positive and then the super negative. You you cannot discuss the Barbie movie without discussing feminism. Bafflingly Gender equality is still a hotly debated topic, <laughs> uh, which is cuckoo bananas, but fine. And um, all the members of the, uh, to borrow from Little Rascals, the He-Man Woman Haters Club <laughs> say, <laughs> say it's too feminist and anything feminist is anti-man. And my take on the feminism in the movie is not to be a pessimist, but it, it's still in, in service of a brand, right? It's so it's pretty surface level, but not incorrect. Um, it's just thin, and it serves Mattel to lean into this because Barbie, you know, Barbie can do anything, so they want to say, Yeah, girls can do anything. Again, that's a pessimistic view, but that's the capitalistic world we live in, baby. <laughs> you know, like there's a, <laughs> there's a monetary motive to anything that's going to exist in a movie of this level, no matter what. The messages are heavy handed, um, but there's still a lot of truth in it. And even though in that quote that you played from Greta and Margot, they're saying that the movie, it, it, it's a comedy, but it shouldn't be called a funny movie. It, it's still quite silly. And you can be silly and still discuss very real, very serious topics. But I'm OK with not having a more complicated discussion of feminism and Hey, I, I wish I wish we didn't have to <laughs> debate this at all. You know, um, I'm not going to name names about like all the people online. They, they get enough attention by getting people all riled up. And I don't want to add fuel to that fire. But I had fun and I love the silly spirit of the movie. Yeah. And I think one of the questions that's coming up in like, OK, it's feminist. But is it also is this also misandry? How are we supposed to poke fun at something like the patriarchy, like gender inequality, without also making fun of the people who benefit from it, which is which are men? I think that we can find I know people on both sides of the argument have issues with the portrayal of the feminism in the movie. And uh, I know it could be more nuanced. I know it was heavy handed and also simplistic. But I think that it fit in the movie, it fit with the tone, it fit with what the message of the movie ultimately ended up being. And even though that this movie is predominantly for women, it's Barbie, it's also for everybody. So not but everybody and everybody. 
the fact that we're e we're even having this discussion right now we just had on an IP driven movie that's in its own it's an achievement mm -hmm. go try to have a discussion on Ant-Man 3 and Quantum whatever <laughs> you know or Doctor Strange 2 like why is the bar there is so low this is a Barbie movie at the end of the day but the fact that it even has this ingredient and it's so well made yeah, like actually, that's an accomplishment. Actually, you know? I have a quote from Will Ferrell that like kind of goes with what you're saying. He said, it is, in my humble opinion, the ultimate example of high art and low art. It's a loving homage to the brand and at the same time couldn't be more satirical. Just an amazing comment on male patriarchy and women in society and why Barbie's criticized and yet why every little girl still wants to play with Barbie. I think that sums it up great. Yeah. Yeah, it's high art. But it's also about a plastic doll, <laughs> and we're going to have fun with that. Yeah. Speaking of my guy, Will Ferrell, mm -hmm. what a feat that Will Ferrell is in a movie, and he might not be the funniest thing in that movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? actually. Like, he's just like... Not saying he didn't not saying kill he, it, he, he but would, yeah. He killed it, but like you said, I knew it was going to be funny, but it's really funny. Like, I was laughing out loud. Can also Ryan Gosling really steps it to another level I had not seen for him. I was kind of, I was a little bit down on Ryan Gosling for a while. This movie definitely showed me a side of him I feel like I had not seen in a while. He definitely brings the humor. He, he, like, he just had a display on talent in this movie. His funny acting, the dancing, the choreography. I love it when, when an actor is, who's known for more serious roles, really leans in to an outrageous character yeah. and he knocked it out of the park with his total commitment to ken but he's embracing it he is have you have you seen his gq interview i haven't oh he again he sort of does it in character 10 things ken cannot live without and he's just embracing this on the promo and it's working here sunglasses ken's got to have at least two pairs at all times you want the first pair to be something that Barbie would also wear. She needs them for whatever reason. You have them at the ready. Dark ones are great because they can hide your sadness. You never want to risk bumming Barbie out. <laughs> like he's, he is embracing this, running with it, and good for him, man. It's, it's really working. I was watching this movie and I was worried. Oh shit, is Ken gonna steal this movie from Barbie? spoiler mm, no okay no that is one of the many prison things that i felt the movie does margot robbie has just in my eye transcended i feel like with this movie the fact that she's also a producer she mm -hmm. was the one who getting greta involved like this is as much as it is margot's movie as it is greta this is a double team a yes. tag team yeah and i feel like she has just transcended into this Kind of Robert Redford, Warren Beatty type of career, even, I don't know, Jack Nick. Like, I cannot think of someone under 40 who is having the career, in the trajectory of a career of a Margot Robbie, hmm. both in acting and just in everything, the producing, like having the career. She's in, she she's on par to have a career, I would say, kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio, those type of things where it's just like, she gets to work with really great filmmakers, do really great things, just have like, you know, sort of like best case scenario for a career for an actor or an actress. I would not be surprised if she transitions to work behind the camera outside of producing. She can. She like, has to keep acting because my favorite thing about this movie, it is her performance mm -hmm. because only by her pure acting chops 
was I emotionally moved several times in this movie. In scenes that I shouldn't, you know, like I get it in the climax, you know, when we're like confronting, but like even beginning of second act scenes or just these tiny snippets, like Greta just caught to her face and her face was just delivering so much emotion for me. I I just love her performance. I don't know how what else to say. I just felt like, holy shit. Like I was aware of it while I was watching it. I was just like, holy shit, this person is just like gonna make me cry thinking of Barbie and her feelings. Oh, no, of course. She, she totally crushed it. I think that it was super important for this movie to have the comedic chops, of course, but then also deliver on that real raw emotion. And she... Absolutely nails both. But yeah, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dance. Who needs Dua Lipa when we have Paolo Grassini? The song will go on his back. And today... Yes, we're covering Dance and I by Dua Lipa from Barbie. So we yes. got a lot to talk about here because we do. It's not just Dua Lipa. We have a whole soundtrack album. <laughs> but nonetheless, let's get your song set up and start. Let's get this show yeah, on the road. Yeah, let's get to it. The Barbie movie is, has one of those jam-packed soundtracks. It's like a feast for us over here. The song will go on. We've got... Lizzo, Nicki Minaj with Ice Spice, Carol G, the list goes on, but we are going to cover the lead single that started it all. And okay, we're going to talk a little bit about the soundtrack because, you know, how can we not? You know that the it, the soundtrack got its own teaser trailer? Did it? Yeah, it love has 1.3 million views on YouTube. A trailer just for the soundtrack. <laughs> I love that. So let's start with Dance the Night. Dance the Night is a song from the English pop singer Dua Lipa from Barbie the Movie. The song was written by Lipa and Carolyn Island with producers Mark Ronson and Andrew Wyatt. Additional producing credits go to the Picard brothers. In April 2023, Dua Lipa's casting was announced as the Mermaid Barbie. <laughs> Dance the Night was released on May 25th, 2023, and is Lipa's first musical release since completing the release cycle from her 2020 album, Future Nostalgia, which featured hits like Don't Start Now, Break My Heart, and both levitating and its remix with DaBaby. Don't show up, don't come out, don't start caring about me now. Lipa has been dominating the pop charts for a few years now. She's been releasing music since 2015 and debuted her self-titled album in 2017. It was her sixth single from that album that really cemented her spot in international pop music. Wait, her sixth? Sixth single. And that was New Rules. You ain't getting over him. I got no rules, I count him. Eh, not my favorite Little Lipa song. But. Well, I think part of its success came from the music video, which totally fits with the Barbie brand. It's girls supporting girls. Anyway, so while this song is electropop with dancehall beats, 
Lipa's Future Nostalgia album, which she released in 2020, as I said, focuses on a disco-inspired sound. Dance the Night follows in those footsteps with those unmistakable disco dancing strings. Lipa has worked with all of the Dance Tonight songwriters and producers before. Songwriter Carolyn Island wrote New Rules, as we talked about, though it bobbed about from artist to artist until it finally found its home on Lipa's album. She also co-wrote Don't Start Now, which is Lipa's biggest hit to date. Other credits on Dance Tonight include Mark Ronson. He produced the track as well as the entire soundtrack. He is a DJ, music producer, and songwriter who has worked with the likes of Amy Winehouse, Lady Gaga, Lily Allen, Miley Cyrus, but his song, Uptown Funk, featuring Bruno Mars, is really what made him an international household name. Don't believe me, just watch. No joke, I remember the first time I heard this song. Yeah. And it was, I was watching SNL. It was their SNL performance. Oh, that was a great performance. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars. It was a very good performance and I was blown away. Mm -hmm. I, I was, the performance, the song, I felt like I just watch Thriller. You know, <laughs> like this is going to be the next big thing. And it was, but... It was huge. It was so huge. That's the thing. It was so huge that I don't really, to me, this, I don't go back to it. Like it's, I'm still recovering how huge it was. Like I can't really listen to it and be like, ugh. I get that. And I think also it has reached such a status that now it's just like wedding song and people don't really think about how awesome this song actually it, it is. It is fantastic. It is an amazing pop song. It is. Back to Ronson. He also worked on the 2019 Silk City, Diplo, and Dua Lipa collaboration, Electricity, which earned the Molly Grammy. He also co-wrote Shallow from the 2018 Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper movie, A Star is Born. Woo, soundtrack! Yeah. One of the most famous celebrated movie songs in the last 10 years. Absolutely, absolutely. And he co-wrote it with Andrew Wyatt, who is also a producer, but an artist in his own right. He is the lead singer of, Swe of the Swedish group Mike Snow. Okay, I have a confession. My dumbass thought that Mike Snow was one person and not a band. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but apparently they are named after their friend who is named Mike Snow. So I guess I'm not that far off. But anyway. What a great compliment. Be like, right? hey, my band, we're going to take your name. Yeah. <laughs> we're just going to be called Sophia Matano. What a great name. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Ronson got involved when the movie's music supervisor, George Draculius, texted him simply, Barbie? Question mark. Gerwig needed an original disco song for the dance sequence at Barbie's dream house, and rehearsals would begin in two weeks' time. So she sent Ronson a playlist full of inspo music, which she described as guilty pleasure music and Peloton pop. <laughs> Peloton pop. <laughs> I think that's a great, I know exactly what you're talking about when you say Peloton pop. That is such a 2020s <laughs> title for a genre. Ronson and Wyatt sent back the track that would ultimately become Dance the Night. So Ronson and Wyatt wrote the music, but Lipa and 
Songwriter Carolyn Island wrote the song together. It was a collaborative effort, but Bronson stressed in an interview with Vulture that it was not originally written for Lipa. An accompanying music video directed by Gerwig was released with the song, featuring a cameo appearance from multiple cast members, as well as Gerwig herself. And it also features a couple glimpses of the dance sequence from the film. That's how you know it's gonna be an event. When the direct film director directs the music video, yes. that's what we at The Song Will Go On want. Give us firepower. Bring everything you got. Yeah, it really... I think that that really stresses how important the soundtrack is to yeah. the movie, that Gerwig and Ronson are involved in every single piece of it. Dance the Night peaked at number four on the UK singles chart, number 12 on the Canadian Hot 100, and number 25 on the Billboard Hot 100. It is the most streamed song on the Barbie soundtrack, currently at 150 million streams, but uh, that could be climbing as we speak. So my question to you, Paolo, is are you ready to dance the night away? Or are you going to skip this party and turn in early? Well, if only I can just stop thinking about death, I would dance the night away. <laughs> I love this song. You and Barbie both. I love this song. Okay. When I heard it, I was like, here we go. We're ready to pod. Here we go. The song <laughs> will go on is back. That's what I'm talking about. That was my reaction. Um, I think it's an amazing song. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get to the new disco that I wanted to bring up, but mm. it's a trend. I, I just first want to hear your thoughts before I go on my rant about new... Well, it's not a rant. I'm my deep dive, rabbit hole, whatever, <laughs> on new disco, but... <sighs> um, okay. Sophie, uh... let me ask you again. Okay. Where do you stand with this song? Mm. You, where are you going? I like it. I like it. It's fun. It fits the dance sequence in the movie very well. I enjoy the verses mostly, but the chorus, for me, it's a bit of a letdown. It doesn't oh. feel like the song builds to a particularly exciting place. And while it's good, it also feels like a future nostalgia B-side. So I could use a little bit more oomph for the lead single on this amazing soundtrack. Oh my God. <laughs> what? Yeah. More oomph? I need oomph. There's no more oomph. There's more oomph to be found. There is no more oomph. You there is. show me where the oomph is and well, I'll it say here. it's it in this song. It ain't it's here. all in this song. It ain't here. Dan, talk about tough crowd. No, I'm Ooh. no, I'm not I know, I'm really not being that tough. I think that a lot of people had this reaction too. And I found it Okay, so the music video is really great. Uh, it's I, amazing. It's great. And in the film, Dua Lipa arrives to set to film the video. We're getting a little bit meta with it, right? And then um, a disco ball falls to the ground, completely smashes, a la like the chandelier and Phantom of the Opera, and is apparently supposed to represent the end of her future nostalgia era, which was heavily disco inspired. Is it strange to signify the end of your disco era with a disco song? <laughs> I don't know if it's the end of the disco era. Well, I mean, she, she smashed the disco ball, Paolo. Like it. Maybe she'll get a new gone. one. <laughs> I don't know. No, I think that it's going to. I don't know what's coming up next for her. I think a lot of people are eagerly awaiting. Uh, but I did find it a little bit. You know, we haven't had a release from her since Future Nostalgia. And then she came out with this, which felt the same, but not as much. I, I think this might be the farthest apart we've been on this podcast. Okay. Because I feel like 
this should be a I love it. This song is fantastic, and I won't take anything less. <laughs> Since instantly when I heard it, instantly I was like, "My God, this is an earworm. This is so catchy. This is the song of the summer." That's even before Barbie became the movie of the summer. Now oh, even okay. now even more. I think it's by far the best in the album. Oh, okay. Yes, I think it's the wow, best in the okay. album. I think it's a classic movie song, and I think. It's a perfect storm of creativity within the movie, creativity within the songwriting, but also this new disco era that is ruling the pop charts. And you, we know this. It is. And Dua Lipa is a very big part of that. She is a very big part of that. But like we have concert tickets to a certain person, Jesse. Jesse Ware. Jesse Ware. My girl. Her See, new album is fantastic. Paolo, that song takes me places. Dance the Night did but not so, quite get there. They're both five star. They're both fantastic. Anyway, New Disco is is like taking, I feel like taking the pop charts by storm. I'm here all for it. So one of the things that apparently I did some research, obviously, on New Disco. So New Disco is an electronic take on disco. We, okay. We got that. Okay. Then made waves in the indie since the 2000s, 2010s, and uh, apparently draws heavily on the music from the 1980s and 90s and the classic disco track on the 1970s. Mm -hmm. In the spirit of EDM and related forms of electronica, it incorporates 21st century sampling and synth technology. That, we got it. Yeah, so, so that's the thing. New Disco also has like a blend of real instruments. So it's like taking that 70s disco feel, real instruments... Part of it and mixing it with like the sins and the new and like how you call it beep up music. <laughs> Kylie also. Oh yeah. She's I mean, she came charts. out with a with an album called Disco. Yes, exactly. Now very she's... underrated, by the way. I see all of you people being fans of Padam Padam, and you were not there. I think. Unfortunately, in the zeitgeist, the new disco sound is getting a little bit... I think people are a little bit exasperated. I think that they're ready for the new thing. Dang, just when I cut up, <laughs> culture is ready to move on to the next thing. I this mean, always it's been, happens. It's been three years this since... This always happens. It's been three years since Future Nostalgia. I think that people want something new, especially from Dua Lipa. You mentioned the chorus, which I think it's perfect. It's a okay. worm. The beginning, the strings. But man, uh, the bridge. I yeah. really like I really like the bridge part of it, this song here. I like this bridge. That's the thing. I feel like sometimes with these like pop movie hits. You get like a really good catchy idea. They do that on the chorus. Maybe a really also catchy verse. But then the bridge is where you kind of see where if it if the train ran out of steam. You can argue what is catchier here. The chorus or the verse. Those could be equally catchy. But then the bridge is also really good. And I don't think the bridge is the catchiest. It's not. I'm just saying like. It's, man, the whole thing. Words, <laughs> the whole thing. Damn. I don't know what point you're trying to make. That the whole song is good. <laughs> yeah, it is good. It's just not as good as it could be. 
even though I think that the song has opportunities where it could have been a little bit better, a little bit punchier, I think Dua Lipa is a fantastic choice for the Barbie movie. She embodies Barbie energy completely. And I understand why they put her in the movie because of that. Dua Lipa has a great sense of humor. And one instance where this is shown is with Wendy Williams calling her Dula Peep. Okay, what what do you think about Dula Peep? Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa. Dula Peepa. Dula. <laughs> her name's Dua Lipa, but you call her Dula Peep. Dula Peep, I'm sorry. Well, apparently her real name is Dula Lipa. Dula Lipa. But I made the mistake. I called her Dula Peep on the show. Cocaine's one hell of a drug. <laughs> she she handled it with a lot of grace and humility. And she, the, the even the fans, her own fans were having fun with it. They were calling her Dula Peep. She embraced it. I think that that, you know, you can take it a kind of embarrassing moment and and she handled it with a lot of grace. And maybe one day we'll get a duet between Dula Peep and Adele Dazeem. <laughs> I can only hope. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing is she had kind of an embarrassing moment. Early in her career, she was performing a song and she, there was kind of an awkward choreography. And she was being criticized for not being a very skilled dancer and people even went so far as to say that she has no stage presence. After that viral clip, she was a really good sport about it. She has improved massively, and she even references that kind of awkward dance by incorporating it into her live shows now. So I think that it, she's she's handled it with stride, and I really admire that, and I think that that is true Barbie energy. I found a really cool Mark Runson clip talking about just like their work on trying to fit this into the movie. I feel like it kept elevating as we kept seeing the picture. And then we saw the picture and the picture was so much fun. We're like, and Dua was like, no, 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 we have to address that. When like Margot goes like that in the dance, like Dua wrote this line, turn the music up. So it says up right at the moment that Margot throws her hands up. Like we were so inspired like by the picture that we just kept refining, refining, refining the song till it just had this like wonderful disco energy that really fit the film, but also felt very much like a Dua song because Dua's music is super tough as well. You know, there's nothing like overly sugary or sentimental about it. I really wanted that sequence to be longer. One <laughs> of my one of my nitpicks with the movie was that Ken just got this amazing song, dance sequence. And while Barbie got this, it, it is cut short by the is anyone think about the kind of thing. And I feel like I was hoping the movie was gonna come back to some sort of like dance musical number with her. It didn't. And it just kept me wanting more. But I heard I heard Greta talk about some of the influences for that. And she cited, which makes a lot of sense, uh, Xanadu, Magic, Olivia oh, Newton-John. Yeah. And of course, Saturday Night Fever. Mm -hmm. She was like thinking about those. Did you know that this is not Dua Lipa's first movie song? Mm. You stumped me on that. Yeah. Uh, the first one was in 2018. It's called High, and it's from the Fifty Shades Freed soundtrack. Ah, uh, blind spot. Yeah. And 
the second one is from 2019. That would be Swan Song from Alita Battle Angel. What? I, I really like the instrumental part of it. The whole swan song chorus is a bit... It just doesn't make for a catchy it's not chorus. Very, it's not that catchy, no. The, the, the beat, though, is great. And the music video is fire. I mean, so both of these songs are perfectly serviceable soundtrack songs, but those two weren't exactly as memorable as Dance the Night. Well, I have a trivia for you. I'll see your trivia and I counter you with one. Okay, I'm ready to hear it. Dua Lipa is not the first musician to make an appearance on the movie they make a movie song for this year wait say that again <laughs> <laughs> you know how Dua Lipa is Barbie mermaid okay yes she appears in the movie yep and she also has a song in the soundtrack yep she is not the first musician to do that this year I'll give you a hint What's the other big soundtrack we've had this year? Uh, it's the Metro Boomin for Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay. There's a Metro Boomin Spider-Man version of him in the movie. Okay, but appearances, you know, can be interpreted multiple ways. He, I guess, I mean, he appears animated. You know, okay. He's under the suit, but <laughs> Okay, still. okay. It's been a good year for soundtracks. Are soundtracks alive and kicking? You know what? They really are, because it's sort of akin to what Madonna did with Dick Tracy, right? Like, we have... We have an artist who has their their toes in all the waters of all of the songs. And with Spider-Man, that was Metro Boomin. With this, it's Mark Ronson. Like it's really interesting to have one voice behind the soundtrack and make such a cohesive piece of work. I'm I'm just excited, man. I'm excited. If Hollywood is broken, it seems like at least the soundtracks are being fixed. Last thing about this Dua Lipa song, and it's about Mark Ronson. Okay. He did the score for Barbie. Yeah. Apparently in an interview, he said, first was the Dua Lipa song, then they liked it a lot, then came the Can song, and then they really liked the Can song. And from there on, he just started doing the soundtrack, and he just found himself writing music for the score. Yeah, so it seems like in the beginning, Alexandra Desplat was attached to score the I movie. I remember that. And then dropped out. But very last minute. Like, yes. I think it was a month before the movie premiere, which was insane. Yeah, I think news of that was like in May, like late May. I think it kind of shook some people's confidence in the Barbie movie, actually, if that much turmoil is going on I remember on when I saw that, I was like, oh, no. But we got Mark to, to step in. Shall we discuss some of his other work with some of the other songs on this soundtrack? Yeah, here are some of the highlights, in my humble opinion. That's the Lizzo song. Charlie XCX. Boring song by Carl G, but whatever. <laughs> Sam Smith. Tame Impala song. 
Ryan Gosling. Man, that can song just gets me. I'm telling you, we're, get, we're Oscar nom. It's oh, happening. for sure. Yep. I think the Billie Eilish song is also going to get an Oscar nom. It may because it's another Billie Eilish song for a movie. And of <laughs> course, she won for that Bond song that she did. No Time to Die. That's right. This yeah. is a really great song. You know. It is. I think that that song is a better song than this one. Billie Eilish was one of the couple artists who was announced a lot later. The first couple singles were like Dance the Night, then Barbie World from Nicki Minaj and Ice Spice. So we got the Charlie XCX song and Carol G. And they kind of held back on the fact that Billie Eilish was doing a song. It has a very beautiful music video. But when I did hear it, I was like, okay, I know exactly when this song is going to play in the movie. And it's going to be at the low point when Barbie's questioning who she is. And yep. That's what it is. Oh, I got some facts for you. Okay. Because it wasn't intended for that scene. Meaning they didn't show her that scene and say, write a music for this. Here's Billy on explaining some of that. We went into it not being like, we're going to write something. This is what it's going to be for. She didn't say like, you know, here's the a scene. scene. Oh, yeah. There was nothing. She was literally like, I don't care. Please just like, if you're inspired make something and like if you're not that's fine mm. it's fine like I'm just like it would be my dream and we were writing something and I don't know it was kind of a dud of a day like nothing was really made and it was late and I was like all right well I think I'm gonna go like we've done enough we we're 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 done for the day and Phineas was like should we try to write a Barbie song <laughs> and I literally was like dog no, what? Like, we're not going to make, a, come on. Like, I thought about, like, No Time to Die. That was that was months of thinking and talking and yeah. coming up with different melodies and stuff. And yeah. there's, we can't recreate that. Mm. Like, how are we going to do that? And we, we truly sat down and Phineas started playing piano. And, and those first couple lyrics, I used to float. Now I just fall down. Just came right out. And we just... I used to know, and now I'm not sure. What is it? Now I'm not sure. I used to know, uh, but I'm not sure now what I was made for. And then... uh, And and what I was made for came out in that moment. Mm -hmm. Dude, (laughs) it's so good. I love that because it shows, again, this is a a team effort, you know? Yes. I imagine being Greta receiving that and being like, oh, you know, inspire something or make some adjustments in the film. Another cool thing I learned about Billy on that interview is apparently this song had a lot to do with getting them out of like writing's block here. Through the, this last winter, we've both been like incredibly uninspired and we've still been working and trying to make stuff. And honestly, that song was like the first thing we'd written in a minute, even though we were having coming up with ideas and coming up with this and that. Like, and, you know, I remember after we wrote that first like half I go, I think we still got it. Yeah. Like we were really in a zone of feeling like we lost it and feeling like, man, I don't know if we're, I don't know if we can do this anymore. And, f- and we were like, I was 15 years old, 16, 17, and he's a teenager. Like, yeah. you can imagine my thoughts of doubt. <laughs> like, oh, I can't do this anymore. And Barbie and Greta just like pulled it, pulled it out of me. I keep saying it like, Soundtracks and movie songs, 
They have a huge invisible role in pop culture. Our mission is to uncover it. And here's evidence. Barbie save Billie Eilish's career. <laughs> I do think it helps to have a prompt. Maybe not a super strict one, because that can be, no one likes those constraints. But I think having a little bit of a prompt, yeah. such as Barbie, and then thinking about what that means, can really get those creative juices flowing because you have a heading. This might be my favorite piece of research that I found. It was Mark Brunson talking about how Lizzo's song came about. Mm -hmm. Here. We went in the studio, Lizzo, myself, and Ricky Reed, who produced About Damn Time and, you know, Truth Hurts and all the amazing songs with Lizzo. Lizzo just started to narrate what was happening. Like, literally, like, as Barbie yawns, she sings, When I wake up in my own pink world. And she just started to literally sing what's on the screen. And we're like, this feels really good. And as soon as she got that hook, pink goes with everything. Like, we're like, wow. And we all got sort of chills. I'm getting like a little bit of chills thinking about it now. So I played it for Greta. And I think Greta was pretty excited. You know, there was a million things going on in the edit that day. She was excited to get a Lizzo song. She loves Lizzo. She, and I could just see Greta's face as this song is playing. And she's starting to go like, this woman has basically set up my entire movie. Like, obviously, the visuals is, like, what makes it. But I, I don't think even Greta really gambled on how great, lyrically, what Lizzo was going to really deliver. It's really interesting to picture that opening scene without this song that narrates what's yep. going on. Yeah. So I don't know if Greta just lucked out or, <laughs> or if she knew what she was doing all along because she hired the right people. But yeah, I mean, it, it would be a very different opening without this Lizzo song. I think this is the fourth time I say this on the podcast, but I just love that one of the things we're putting a spotlight here is just how much a collaborative effort filmmaking is, as much as I like to worship at the Greta Gerwig altar. Yeah. Just the amount of people that helped her make this film. And also just like, again, just like the role of a really good movie song and what it can do in a movie and how important it is. I love this song. I, I think Lizzo always has like a really good sense of humor in her own writing. And I just, I just thought this was like a perfect fit. You know who's someone who I also feel like I have to keep an eye out now from now on? Who? Charlie XCX. Yeah. Because I mean, she, she been here. I love her song for Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yeah. I've talked about it in the pod before as like one of my favorites movie songs of that year. And her song is pretty fun. It is very fun. It's a it's a sample of Mickey. Uh, we all love that song. It has the Barbie spirit. But it's the same thing. I think we talked about this in another song we cover, but it's a sample of a verse and she uses as a chorus. I, I don't remember, but like vice versa. Like she samples one part of a song, but uses it differently in her song, which again, I, I thought that was the inventiveness. Like, oh, cool. You're not, you're not sampling a chorus and using it as your chorus, you know? <laughs> Pitbull. <coughs> The application in the movie is a lot of fun because it's a chase scene and this song sounds like a chase scene. I mean, it's called Speed Drive. They're not necessarily driving, but it has so much energy and it fits perfectly in that scene. Oh, Bobby, so fine, so fine. You 
What else, Sov? I want to talk a little bit about Aqua. It was a big topic of discussion. Will Barbie Girl by Aqua be played in this movie? Will it be included on the soundtrack? And the answer to that was no, but it will be incorporated into one of the songs in a creative way. And now we have Barbie World with Nicki Minaj and Ice Spice. Mark Ronson said it himself. He was like, we're doing a Barbie movie and we're not going to have the barbs on the soundtrack. Like we need Nicki Minaj. Absolutely. I agree with that. Yes. Yes. And I, you know what? The more I sat with this song, the more I hear it on like Instagram and TikTok, the more it's growing on me. It's growing on me from a place of utter like disappointment when I first heard it. Oh, come on. I thought I th- I thought it was just a lacy song. I thought the sampling wasn't that great. It 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 just felt like something thrown in last minute. I I don't know. It just didn't really feel as inventive as it should feel. Like, you know, how that song, how important it is and how excited people were to listen to it. When I saw it in the movie, in the end credits, I was in such a high from the movie that I wonder how much was that versus enjoying the song in the end credits. But I did enjoy it on the end credits when it came out. Yeah. You know, because it felt like a little bit of like a mic drop sensation. Mm, Okay. I see what you mean. Well, I also have a sneaking suspicion that Carol G and Alda Ranks were inspired by Barbie Girl when they were making Watati. I think the beginning is a play on the beginning of the Aqua song. The Aqua one starts with... Hiya, Barbie. Hi, Ken. You want to go for a ride? Sure, Ken. Jump in. Hello? Yo, chica. Una vez más. El del swing. Yeah, for sure. For so sure. so what we're doing is the deep male Ken representing voice talking to Barbie, who, you know, obviously is Carol G in this sense. So I think that it's a subtle nod to Aqua without pulling a sample. We got to talk about Ken before we go to answerable questions. We do. He gets the best sequence in the movie i feel like that dance number the song it's so good it's so catchy it's so funny too because even the even the genre of the song is funny you know like he has that metallica fanny pack Mm -hmm. which is fantastic if i can have one merch from the movie it will be my ken metallica fanny (laughs) pack not that uh that fur coat you're right yeah do one go with a well then the bandana if i'm okay. gonna have the i gotta have the whole thing what a right shout off like the costume <laughs> I, designer. that's what i'm saying the <laughs> costumes like, were insane in this movie that outfit oscars for everybody <laughs> like i feel like brian gosling should show up to the oscars with that outfit i would love that like people would just lose it even the even the promotional outfits on like the red carpet and stuff before the strike happened amazing Margot Robbie's out like oh my god that outfit that's there's they're all oh my god I'm getting like worked up they're all inspired by like the vintage Barbies anyway sorry but anyway but but Kent's song feels like a version of that that music version of that you know the music version of that fur coat and the Metallica exactly the 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 mojo dojo casa house like it's (laughs) perfect (laughs) like it's a great song not just a movie song it's just it's a great song it is and they've got some talent on that song so this is coming from mark ronson it was originally written as a two and a half minute song and then gerwig came to him and was like 
okay, we're going to do this big musical sequence and we're going to bump this up a notch. So now it's this eight minute sequence with the dancing. So they got Slash to play on it. Shit, I didn't know uh-huh. that. They got John Freeze from the Foo Fighters. They got Wolf Van Halen. Like they, they took it to an epic level. Whoa. Yeah. I was not joking when I said that this entire soundtrack is a who's who. This entire movie is a who's who. Well, you forgot one talent from that. Brian Gosling. Oh, of course, of course. Do you know that he had a band? Or maybe has, I don't know, but they haven't huh. released. It's called Dead Man Bones. Okay. And they're actually like a legit band. Like it's like, what I mean is that they're good. Here's a little bit from like one of their albums, a song. I already know exactly when that album came out just by how that song sounded. Yes, it sounds very much of its era. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's like 09... Oh, wait. Yeah. Is it time to answer some questions, but some very answerable questions? It is time to answer those questions. You heard her answerable questions. (laughs) First one. What seven seconds from the song gives you goosebumps, Sophie? Play them. Woo! That groove. Yeah, I you know I love those disco strings. And yeah. I think that the verse is the real strong part of this song. Uh, like I said, the chorus didn't quite reach that point that I wanted it to. But this song kicks off in a great way. Like that you talk about that elegance of the string because something about the disco strings matches Barbie's elegance in that scene. Yeah. You know, like you need that sort of beauty of it, sophistication of it. And the joy, you know, like Barbie does this every day (laughs) and she has the same amount of enthusiasm every time. You know, it just sounds like Barbie's dream house. My seven seconds is, of course. Watch me. So you're sticking with that chorus. I am sticking with that chorus. I just love the whole like silence. Watch me and then explodes to dance. I love this song. I love this song. (laughs) Favorite lyric. Each host sheds light on their favorite lyric. So I think we're going to have the same. Let's find out. Let's find out. Okay. So mine is. Let's read it at the the same time. (laughs) Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. If they're different, this is going to sound crazy. (laughs) Well, let's see. We'll stop immediately. (laughs) One, two, three. Even Even when when the the tears tears are flowing flowing. (laughs) like diamonds on my face, I'll still keep keep the party party going. Not not one hair out of of place. place. Yes, I can. Yeah, I love it because I feel like this is the nod to Barbie dolls having that beautiful plasticky hair. And uh, I think that that subtle nod to Barbie is very appreciated in a song that doesn't necessarily take on the subject material of the movie, though it serves the movie well. I love having a little wink to Barbie. I think this summarizes the movie's tone. Hmm. These two lines. You have... The beauty, the shine of it, the funness, but also the seriousness, the emotion behind the words. 
this ties to the soundbite we played for Mark Ronson of how he mm. wanted to add, you know, can it couldn't just be all fun. Mm-hmm. He, because it wouldn't fit not just Dua Lipa, but the movie either. Hall of Fame moment. Who or what had their best moment in pop culture with this movie and our song? It can be anything. A person, a studio, a film, a genre, a piece of food. Sophie. I mean, any Hall of Fame moment nominations? Yeah, I mean, we we gotta we got we gotta give it up to Greta. I mean, yeah. record breaker, biggest you know opening for a female director. That's that's a big deal. Greta has Hall of Fame. Margot also like we probably will look back. Uh, well, I don't I don't know I don't know, but there's a, there's a chance that we look back on their careers when we're on the other side of the fence. And be like, this is the moment where they could do anything. Like, at, right, right now, whatever they want to do, everyone's going to give them the money. You have a blank check to do whatever you both want to do. Hall of Fame moment for the color pink? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like people are really vibing to that pink. Yes, I love it. And Which I, was obnoxious, apparently, before this movie, but now everyone loves it. Okay, well, you know, this is this is related to one of mine. Uh, I had a Hall of Fame moment for embracing femininity. And, you know, just personally, there was a time in my life where I felt intense pressure to say, oh, I hate pink, or, you, you know, like, oh, I can never yeah. wear that much makeup, or, like, just try to separate myself from anything feminine lest you know like no one take me seriously and like fuck that there is a lot of power in femininity there is power in pink and i love that this movie is giving people the chance to embrace that in the screening there were so many people wearing pink and it's just so much fun so yes go pink go femininity i'm here for it i love it i think this is a hall of fame for marketing a movie yeah Absolutely. I think before that, Batman 89 could have had it. Hmm. That was like the first time that Hollywood realized what they could do with marketing a movie and how much it could be. It could take over pop culture in a way that not that movies before that had not taken over pop culture, but they were sort of like these phenomenons that happened, you know, Star Wars. Hmm. Oh, my God. People are on the block. Batman 89 was like, we're making this a hit. Hmm. We're putting Batman everywhere. And we're making a hit. And Barbie, I feel like it was like that too. Except shit. They didn't build uh, Bruce Wayne Batcave, but they built <laughs> Malibu Barbie Real Dream House. So they take it. WTF, a moment from the movie or song that you think might have needed a second opinion. Do you have any WTF, Sophie? You know what? No. Could I nitpick some choices? Sure. But I don't even care. I, I really can't emphasize how much fun I had seeing this movie. And like maybe it's COVID, maybe it's superhero fatigue, maybe it's like I haven't like I said before, I haven't felt like a movie was really for me in so long, but I don't care. I enjoyed myself. I have one. Okay, I'm ready. The whole movie? Like how the hell did Mattel agree to this? <laughs> like honestly, so many times during the film I watched and it's like, what? And I actually got some answers. Margot and Greta talked about kind of what happened with that. Like, because that's a question people are asking them now all the time. How the hell did you get Mattel to like yeah. agree to all of this? 
What was the sticky point? I mean, there were millions. Mm, like, yeah, I mean, there were a lot. million. It was like every. It was. It was. What was the the one that was closest to or being like not able to be resolved? You thought this could hold it up. This could really get in the way. Um. Well, luckily we made a crazy enough script that it was literally the whole thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just saying I mean, that almost was, worked in our favor. That yes. the, the list of things to be scared of for them yes. was so, so long, long that it wasn't one thing to focus on. If I think if they had like three things to be scared of, they, we would have lost all possible. three battles. But if you're fighting a hundred battles at once, you like, swear them down. Actually, you just yeah, you just keep winning on inches, yeah. and you keep moving forward. So they just overwhelmed them with things, so that they would just say, "Okay, fine." So listen to all of us. Yeah. Don't ask for one thing. Just ask for a shit ton of things. Uh huh. Don't and you'll ask, probably get most of them. Don't ask for a raise. Ask for a raise, a bonus, mm -hmm. uh, incentives, uh, time off, vacation, everything. Yep. And then that is the takeaway. That's the takeaway. Yep. Is this a car song? No one can define it, but everyone knows it when they hear it. Is this a song to listen to in the car? Yes. Of course, Sophie. Of yes. course. Yes, it is. My question. I'm gonna have a, a amendment to this question. Mm -hmm. Is this a car song only for a convertible car song? It has to be a pink one. It has to be a pink convertible song. Or a Jeep. Or oh, uh, explain. Barbie famously has a Jeep. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Does she has? A... Maybe your blue Subaru will also suffice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll stick with that. Okay. Patron submitted question. Uh, our chance for our patrons to submit a question. And this one, pretty straightforward. Favorite song from the soundtrack. And I actually don't know your answer, so mm -hmm. What's your favorite song from the Barbie, the album? The one that I'm picking surprised me. Actually, you're gonna shock me with this. I, I just am. Have I really the, am. I just have the feeling. Don't say it. <laughs> Don't say it. Say what? If you pick one, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> it's definitely not the Kid Leroy one. Don't worry. No. Okay, so after listening to it a couple times, it's such a wacky song. It's so original. I've never heard anything like it. And it's just a feast for the ears. Every time I listen to it, I find a cool new detail. But it is Angel by Pink Panthers. Okay, yeah, you shocked me. But in a good way. Yeah. I was I was like, don't pick the Carol G one. Don't don't. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually, I didn't put it in our montage, but that's one of the... It's more of a hidden gem on the yes. soundtrack, I would say. And honorable mention to the Hyam song, but that's just because I think Danielle Hyam has one of the most beautiful voices I could listen to her sing they for could, hours. It, it's not bad, but they can do better, for sure. Yes. Like, they, they have more heat that they didn't bring. They do, but I think that they did a good job of incorporating their usual sound with some electro-pop Barbie, uh, you know, elements that make you think of Barbie, which is not where they usually are musically. What I about you? I would have said the Tame Impala song. Okay. If it was an that's actual... Very, that's a very Paolo response. No, 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 but if it was an actual <laughs> song. Okay, I see. I don't think it's a song. I think it's a jingle. Like yeah, it, maybe. It, it, it's less than two minutes. Most of it is intru instrumental. I, I mean, I love the instrumental. But it's it plays in this moment where it's they're transitioning from Barbie world to real world. Yeah. And it uh, just helps that transition, but doesn't really feel like 
Yeah, in that so- in that scene in the movie, I didn't think, oh, I'm listening to a Tame Impala song right now. I thought it was score. Yeah. Yeah. But I do love how I feel like I picked up on in the song when the, at the end it goes the real world and it just ends like that and it it's gives very you like the Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna yeah. say. And I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of you know because they're both sort of like introducing you to kind of a new right a new world, but also the the irony. That song is like the real world. Like, look how cool it is. Like, that's what Barbie's probably singing in her mind. Oh, yeah. It's like that scene in Elf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's like, oh, my God, so excited for the real world. And then when she gets there. Right. Okay. Well, that's your honorable mention. What's your No, I mean, it's it's a Dua Lipa. Okay. Fair. I'm sorry. This song. I I, I love it. I I do love it. I love those strings. I love the vibes. I love the groove. Give me more of it. Okay. And to answer... Our last question, will the song go on? Will the song live on and continue to be part of pop culture? Absolutely. Get get out of here. (laughs) Who wrote these questions? (laughs) You. (laughs) Get out of here. Of course it will. I mean, even if the song was bad, it was going to like Barbie will be part of pop culture for a very long time. Yes, absolutely. As a part of the movie, this song is going to exist. This movie is going to be around for a very long time. I think people are going to be constantly referencing it and talking about it. Um, As a song by itself, I actually, I was at the Abbey last week and the DJ did play a snippet of this, but he also played Levitating and, you know, like everyone, that that really turned the party. So I don't know if this stands out among Dua Lipa's other work and what work we will see from her. Time will tell. But so far, I think Future Nostalgia is outshining this song. All right, it's time for YouTube comments. Time to read some YouTube comments and see what people are saying about this. First up, I have... I think what I like most about Dua is that she would have been huge in every single decade from the 70s to now. Yeah, what what artist would be good in any decade? That's kind of fun. I mean, hey, I found a way. David Bowie, he did okay. it. Well, we I don't have actually... to speculate. We, he did okay. it. Well, so. I was thinking of Madonna, how Madonna has just keeps reinventing her sound. So here's another one. This ain't your typical trash pop song. All Dua's songs are so epic and catchy, and I find myself singing them because they're stuck in my head forever. This woman will be the legend of our era. Huh, that last part, Sophie. I think so. You I know more so. about Dua Lipa than I do, but like, how, like, I can't, I just like, where, where is she on the like, pop stardom spectrum? Like, oh, massive, massive, massive. Not Beyonce level, not Taylor Swift level. Like those are, those are the- Well, they've been in the game so true, much longer. True, Has she surpassed Ariana Grande? I don't think so. Ariana Grande has been taking a step back. Um, she's filming Wicked right now. So I think that that's a big part of it. Maybe she left the gates open for Dua to slide right on in there. I think you might like this one. The way that this string melody at the beginning of this song ended up being a motif through the whole movie soundtrack is so awesome. Huh. You noticed that on the movie watching, you told me like, oh, yes, I, it's yeah, in the I score. It's I, in the, the little bit in the score. And I was like, yeah. nice, yeah. And I also heard an interview where Greta was talking about the same with the Billie Eilish song. Mm-hmm. They incorporated that through the score. So when then, when you get to that scene, that sequence and that climatic release, it feels like a groundwork has been laid on. Right. 
Hey, you're really good, Mark Bronson, for mm -hmm. first time film composer. <laughs> Sophie, we did it. Barbie. Barbie. Has conquered the world, including our own podcast. The song will go on. She did it. Yeah. This was a blast. It was a blast watching the film, researching this episode, and just dreaming about what Hollywood could be now moving forward. Ugh. Well, there's still a lot going on, <laughs> so we'll see. But I think I might be heading to the theater again to see it one more time. Yeah, thank you all for listening. We would love to hear what you think is your favorite song from this soundtrack. What you thought about the movie. Uh, we would really like to hear what you guys are thinking. Yeah, again, sound off on our socials. We're at the song will go on on X. Apparently, that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> what it's called now. <laughs> Uh, and then also on Instagram, TikTok, and you can send us an email if you want. The email, song will go on at gmail.com. Email, email. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Thank you so for such an amazing episode. And we'll see you all on the next song. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Soundtrack. The Song Will Go On is written, researched, and produced by Sophie Matano and Paolo Garcia. Theme music is composed by William Russell. Consulting producers are JP Lee and Jonathan Fisher. Recording, editing, and mixing by Sophie Matano and Paolo Grassini. The Song Will Go On is a Gigawatts podcast. You can find Gigawatts on YouTube and on Instagram at gigawatts underscore YouTube.